0: One that I wanted to share because it goes with what I wanted to say today about questions. Job 38 states this here. Job 38, verse 3 and 4. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? <laughs> That's what God asked man. You're all saying all these things. He say, where were you when I did it? I'm the one who created everything. Where were you when I did all of this? And that's what Ken Ham would always say, right? Were you there? And all these people trying to say billions of years and so on like that, were you there? (laughs) And so uh, I think it's a great phrase that Ken did. Life has a lot of questions about our health, finances, job, family, our future. And when you think about those things, those are only temporary things. The most important questions ought to be, does God exist? Why am I here? And if he exists, what kind of relationship do I have with him? So we answer the first one, is anyone there? Is anyone here? How did we get here? Well, some people say, well, we're here by accident. It's by a big bang. But the problem with a big bang, a big bang does not, coordinate things. It explodes things. It doesn't create order, does it? And uh, some of the planets are amazing that have moons. Uh, Some of the planets they spin and the moon goes around this way, then they have other moons that go back the other way. Scientists don't know what to do with these things, but God does, that's for sure. And where do the raw materials come from, by the way? How can you make something out of nothing? And they can't answer those questions. I remember the ABC uh, Hubble telescope, uh, they said, uh, we're here by the Big Bang, the big explosion in in the way past. And then they got better lenses. And they came out and said the Big Bang theory is wrong. Now they have a new theory. And I just heard this week they got new lenses again a little while back and now they have a new theory. And so they keep changing that some people say well we're here by evolution Uh, but let me just say that evolution is not a scientific decision or fact you can't prove evolution it can't be repeated so analysis is impossible Uh, by the scientific true method it, it can't be repeated It can't be reproduced, tested, observed. That's real science. There's no evidence evolution occurred in the past or now. There are no new species, no evidence of mutations, of in-between transitional forms. If evolution were true, there would be fossils of the past and today that would be transitional. But they don't have them. They don't have half scales, half feathers, No changing of one kind into another. Man has always been man. (laughs) Isn't that unique? (laughs) You know, after its kind. Isn't that what the Bible states, by the way? And uh, evolution is, now this is critical. Evolution or creation, neither one are scientific. And either one must be accepted by faith and the reason is man was not there so the decision will come down to they have the same evidence just biased views so you come down the decision is who do we believe will we believe what they're saying to us in our educational systems about and scientists and their opinions and everything You know, God said about the wisdom of man, man's wisdom is foolishness to him. That's what he thinks of man's wisdom. I thought that was pretty good. Evidently you didn't. But but the truth is God was there because he's the one who started it. And God's word says this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. He says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You see, it's by faith that we take this faith in what God says in His Word. He says in John chapter 1, verse 1 in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, which is the Son of God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the great creator. It states in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16, For by him, Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, he's eternal, and by him all things consist. He even not only created everything we see, but he holds the universe and our world together. He holds it in his power. So you ask the question, why does man fight so hard against God's truth? Well, Romans chapter 1, verse 28 says this here, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. You see, man wants to escape his accountability to God. He does not want to be under God's authority, under God's absolute truth. It says this in John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Man would rather do something evil than rather do something good. So man does, on one hand, bring himself to the light of the Word of God and be under its authority. The day's young people in the progressive movement that's taking place in the secular world today they don't even want to be under our constitution let alone the bible and the word of god god's assessment of man excluding him he says in romans chapter 1 verse 21 because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened professing themselves to be wise were the scholars We're the experts, we're the scientists, they became fools. The fool has said in his heart, No God. Now, we believers who've come to faith in the gospel of Christ, we believers know that God exists. We know it by intuition. Inside our inner person, there's a God consciousness. We know He lives, He's there. Romans 2.15 says this here, which show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, and so on. We have a God consciousness. We know that there is a God. I love the story of Helen Keller, the little girl who was blind and deaf until her worker finally figured things out with Phil. And she said this, she said, you know, even when I was blind and deaf and couldn't communicate with anybody, I knew there was a God. Isn't that amazing? And then tradition, we know there's a God. And we know it's uh, what? A characteristic of all people. They know that there's somebody behind this, there is a deity that is behind all of this. Then we have reason. We, we have observation of the universe. Romans chapter 1, verse 12 says this here, or verse 20, I guess. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made us, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that men are without excuse you can have all these people go around to all these universities, like uh, Dawkins and some of those people, and say there is no God. I thought it was amazing this past week. One of his associates that went on his circuit with him quite often, he just came to Christ this recently. It's an amazing how that works sometimes. The truth is, there's more to life than meets the eye. As believers. We don't live only by sight, but we live in faith of what we don't see. We live by our senses, not just our religious belief, but our senses. Reasoning, physics, ethical beliefs, history statements, emotions, laws of nature, cause and effect, gravity, oxygen, We can't see them, yet we know they're real. Amen? They're real, but we can't see them. Likewise, we have an intuitive awareness that our God is there. And that is not irrational nor fanciful. And then, of course, our faith is confirmed and learns more about this God and evidence in the Scriptures, the Bible. We go along with the word's arguments. It's miracles. It's fulfilled prophecy. And when the Bible does comment, say something about something that would be scientific, even though it's not a book written about science, when it comments on science, it's always correct. It's never in error. Just like when it mentions the circle of the earth or the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we don't have a problem when we go to Genesis 1.1 and we read in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I don't have any problem with that because I believe God's word. Amen. He's never lied yet. So physical evidence for God is okay for an intellectual understanding and belief, yet that itself is not enough. God's looking for one to respond in faith within their inner person, in their heart. We trust God. And then the truth penetrates our mind to our heart, causing us to have a spirit of faith. It states in 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation, how? through the sanctification setting apart of the spirit and belief of the truth. We experience God with our mind and with our hearts. And then it's through that faith, as we look around after we come to God by faith, it's through that faith we observe the evidences of God then clearly. Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2 says this here. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. It's preaching to us. And night unto night showeth knowledge. You know, after you get saved, you begin to look around and you begin to say, boy, God's a great God, isn't he? You see the sun, you see the moon, you see the stars, you see all of this. And you know it was God behind it all. So the question comes, is God speaking to us today? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and following says this, God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being Christ in the brightness of the Father's glory, his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, Thank God that He has spoken and is still speaking today. You see, He's Christ's expressed image. He is God Himself. And if Jesus Christ is God, that means God exists. Amen? John 1 1 again. In the beginning was the Word, it's Christ, he's the living Word, the written Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse 14 then, and that Word, God, was made flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God himself became the God-man. Became flesh, God exists. I'm grateful for that. Hebrews one eight says this here: the Father, but unto the Son He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever. And the Father calls the Son God. Isn't that amazing? Somebody said, Well, okay, God exists. What is He like? Well, because time is short, he's personal, he's one, the Godhead, eternal, he's independent, he's holy, he's just, he's all-seeing, all-knowing, he's sovereign, and he's all-powerful. He says, I am the Lord, is there anything too hard for me? (laughs) You see, man might be able to make something, but only God can create something. Amen? So what, uh, what does all this mean to me? Well, who, who am I? Am I here just by some cosmic mistake, an accident? I came from some bang or I came from the slime of the ocean or something like that? If that's my origin, I have no significance. Huh? I'm just here by an accident. That means my eternity even is insignificant because I'm here by an accident. But we're more than an accident. We're more than a tadpole, an animal or an ape. We're a special creation giving us true significance. We're unique and have honored positions. God has appointed us as his representation having authority all over all other living creatures. We're uniquely giving a special dignity. Man was created in the very image of God, not of the same substance, deity, but we are spiritual, rational, moral, and now immortal, our soul lives forever. And after God created man, he said it was good, Adam reflected God's character. Then the question comes, okay, what went wrong? We look at the world today, we see the suffering, the evil, the chaos that's taking place. What's happened? Well, Romans 5.12 says this here. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon on Who? All men, for that all have sinned. Verse 23, it goes on to state, For the wages of sin is what? Death. You see, God gave man the freedom, the liberty of free choice with a warning. But man deliberately chose to disobey God. And when Adam ate that fruit, as he represented uh, the head, he was the head represented The world at that time, immediately he was spiritually separated from his relationship with God. Part of his spirit that related with God died. Immediately man began to die physically and Adam passed on his DNA of sin onto his family and the human race. Ephesians 4.18 says this, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's man today. You see, the root problem with man is not that he sins. The root problem is he is a sinner. He's a sinner that causes him to sin. Somebody said, well, is it that serious? Well, many people admit they're sinners, but they just don't get the seriousness of what that affects in this life or the next. That fallen seed passes on to us when we are born, and when we are born, we are debased, we are defiled, we are defiant. Then the question, somebody says, well, okay, I'm a sinner, what do I do from here? What happens to me when I die? Well, first of all, let me just say, without God in your life now, you're missing out on all kinds of blessings. Not only in this life, and the next life. There's quite a difference between a lost life and a saved life. It's night and day. The Bible says this, Hebrews 9, 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die but after this the judgment it's not over when you die it's after you die then you have to face God Jesus said this in Luke 16 or Luke 16 verse 22 and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Do you know that Jesus Christ talked more about hell than he did talk about heaven? Huh? Hell is factual hell is fearful, hell is final, no second chances, but hell is is fair. You see, you reject him here, he rejects you there. So the question comes, how do I escape this fate? Well, most people, what do they do? They turn to religion. But the problem with religion, religion can never satisfy God. Religion can never remove your sins. Religion can never produce real change in your life because religion's always working on the outer, the problems of the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You have to have a heart change in order to have a life change. Then you ask this, well, what's the answer? Is there an answer? And I'm so grateful to be able to say this because I've experienced it myself as many have. Yes, there's an answer. Now don't miss this answer. Here's the answer to save you, to wash away all your sins, give you eternal life. God provided himself as the answer. Do you hear that? God provided himself as the answer. Our holy God, he hates sin and he will judge and punish sin. But also, our holy God, he loves man. He loves you. He longs to forgive you and forgive everybody. Remember, God did not create the sinful predicament we're in. So how did God do this? Well, the Father sent his son for us sinners. And he died on a cross, shed his blood, was buried, and rose again. That's called the gospel. And the gospel entails he's our substitute. You see, God's holiness demands punishment of our sin. So Jesus Christ came, he took our sin, took our place, took our punishment himself. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not only that, he's our sin bearer. Christ voluntarily became accountable for our sins as if he was responsible for them. My debt has been paid for by Christ. And amazing, something else took place. He not only forgave me of my sins, he placed to my account by placing me in Christ and giving me Christ's righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this here, For he... The Father hath made Him, the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we, sinners who believe in the gospel, might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What an exchange. Here I am, a rotten sinner, but I see that Christ loved me so much He died for me and rose again. If I'd put my faith in that, in Him, that He'd wash away my sins. And he'd give me his righteousness. And the moment you believe in your heart that, God takes you out of Adam. He places you into Christ. Now you're in Christ. And when the Father sees you, he does not see your sin. He only sees his son who died for your sins. He only sees us as righteous now because we're in his son. Amen? And he's our Savior. Romans 4, 5 says this, But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Not works, his faith. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, our right standing with God. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He's our Savior. Amen. Amen. Why would God do this? That's the last question. Why would God do this? Men of the ages have tried to figure that out. All I know is it's called grace. (laughs) Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, believed in, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's what you need to believe in to save you. But then Paul calls it something else in Acts. But none of these things move me, neither I count on my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord to testify, now get this, the gospel of grace. It's a gospel of grace. Ephesians 2, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's provided everything necessary for an individual person to be saved. You just need to believe it in your heart, not just your head, but your heart. This was true intellect, and it was for me, heart. He died for my sins. He was buried for my sins. And he rose again to set me right with the Father. He did that for me. I believe it's enough to save me. Believe that, and God will save you this very moment. And it's an amazing thing when this grace gospel is proclaimed. At that moment, that is the greatest opportunity that God has ever given man to be able to believe in Christ and be saved. Amen? Woo, amen. Are you going to heaven today? Uh, Are you a child of God today? Can you say, I know that I'm going to heaven today because I have put my faith in this gospel of grace. He died for me, he was buried, he rose again. I believe it. Let's bow our heads right now. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in or truly believed it was for you, But today, you're telling God in your own way, your own words, in your own heart. You say to him today, God, I believe this gospel of grace is for me. I receive it because I believe it. I believe this gospel. Just tell him that right now in your own words. Just go on while we have our heads closed, our heads bowed. And if I'm there where you are and I was lost, I would be saying, oh, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I'm grateful to hear that you died for my sins and rose from the grave, you're alive. God, I'm putting my faith in you and that alone. Father, I thank you for grace. I thank you for the truth of the gospel. That still saves today if a person would believe. And I pray that there were people in this service that just believed. In Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.